This is the East Traumacast. With your moderators, Ferrance Madback, University of Florida, Jacksonville. Dave Morris from Intermountain Medical Center in Salt Lake City, Utah. Carrie Valdez from Covenant Hospital in Saginaw, Michigan. And Matt Martin from Madigan Army Medical Center. This program brought to you by the Online Education Committee of the Eastern Association for the Surgery of Trauma. Advancing science, fostering relationships, and building careers. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the TraumaCast. Uh, we've got a great topic to talk about today and some excellent guests. Uh, first off, uh, I'll introduce uh, Dr. Don Jenkins. He's a professor in the Division of Trauma and Emergency Surgery and Vice Chair for Quality in the Department of Surgery and the Betty and Bob Kelso Distinguished Chair in Burn and Trauma Surgery at UT Health San Antonio. Uh, Don, welcome and thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Dave. Uh, happy to be here. Also joining me today is Dr. Michelle Price. She is Deputy Director of the National Trauma Institute and Adjunct Associate Professor at UT Health San Antonio in the Division of Trauma. Dr. Price, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Well, today uh, we are talking about National Trauma Research Repository. Um, why don't, if we could, let's start first and uh, talk about the background behind how this uh, came about and kind of what it is. And I guess uh, both of you can weigh in, whoever would like to go first. Uh, I think we would uh, let's start with uh, Don on that. He's been involved with this uh, from the very beginning of uh, of the idea. So uh, the background uh, behind the National Trauma Research uh, Repository uh, started with a uh, National Trauma Institute initiative. Uh, I'm going to say it must be seven years ago now, uh, and uh, the uh, National Trauma Institute had submitted a. Uh, broad uh, agency announcement uh, uh, reply uh, to uh, request funding for uh, shock, uh, hemorrhage and shock research. Uh, we actually uh, went to Capitol Hill and testified before uh, the Senate uh, Armed Services Appropriations uh, uh, Committee uh, and the Congress uh, uh, saw fit to uh, send that money uh, uh, through and when it got to the uh, DOD side, uh, because they were already engaged in some trauma and hemorrhage uh, research, uh, they decided to earmark it towards those ongoing projects uh, and then money that had been dedicated for that put to other research use. Uh, this was uh, very disappointing to us. We couldn't get new research uh, done. So uh, we took it upon ourselves to arrange a visit, and we went up to uh, the uh, National Capital Region, uh, several representatives from the National Trauma Institute, and met with the leadership of uh, the MRMC. That's uh, the uh, Medical Research and Material Command. Uh, and they're the ones that uh, uh, are charged with uh, combat casualty care research. Uh, and so we met with the leadership, and the leadership uh, informed us that uh, even if the money had uh, come uh, to NTI, uh, they, they wouldn't be able to use it in the traditional way that we had been using it because uh, they told us the Department of Defense was no longer doing uh, one-and-done uh, projects. Uh, that, in fact, uh, the data uh, from a research project funded by the DOD would need to be made available to other researchers uh, uh, to follow. 
And uh, so we came out of that uh, with a suggestion to them that because nothing like that existed uh, for trauma research, that perhaps the National Trauma Institute would submit another BAA uh, to uh, cause the creation of uh, such a thing. And that led us uh, down a pathway of investigation uh, that uh, centered around uh, the uh, NIH and specifically the FITBR, the Federally, Federal Interagency Traumatic Brain Injury Research. Uh, and uh, this was a group that had taken hundreds of millions of dollars of DOD uh, research money uh, and had completed uh, scores, hundreds actually, of, uh, of projects on traumatic brain injury. And we used this as the model uh, because they were the first ones within the federal government to adopt uh, this model. And uh, the thought uh, behind this uh, was that, you know, NTI stands uh, to help the uh, typical uh, clinician uh, to find a way to participate in research without having to do all the legwork on their own. And uh, this was another opportunity for us to be able to do that. So we started to uh, shop that idea around. Uh, we took it to the American College of Surgeons, to the leadership of American Association for the Surgery of Trauma, and to the leadership of EAST. Uh, we felt that uh, if we were to, if we were able to create such a database uh, that uh, re research data could go into, then uh, multi-institutional trials uh, from uh, AAST, uh, Western Trauma, and EAST uh, would be the uh, smartest way of getting the researchers engaged. Uh, and so uh, we started to uh, look at uh, ways of, of doing this. Uh, we wanted to host it at uh, the NIH, but there was no subject matter expert uh, there to endorse it uh, uh, and shepherd it along from the inside. Uh, so uh, we worked very closely with our uh, partners and colleagues uh, from the uh, DOD uh, at the uh, DOD Trauma Registry. Uh, and uh, we garnered uh, support from all of those organizations we've, we've spoken about. Uh, and looked at data that was being collected, uh, not only in their trauma registries, uh, but also in the major multi-million dollar uh, studies that have been accomplished uh, in the past uh, decade or 15 years, to include uh, the Glue Grant, uh, Rock, uh, Prompt, and Proper, uh, and collated all of these uh, data fields. Uh, with the definitions uh, that were used to define those fields of entry for those various studies. And that's how we came to uh, the data dictionary and the fields uh, that we uh, have in the National Trauma Research Repository uh, so, so that we could uh, get data from those studies that had already been accomplished and put it all together for secondary analyses uh, to, to be done and that that would be open to other researchers uh, who weren't necessarily involved in the primary research. It could also be open to those that were. Uh, it would just uh, in, include far more patients uh, and a far more diverse uh, patient group uh, than any of those studies individually would have. Now, I can tell you that uh, there was some skepticism on the part of uh, some of the senior researchers uh, that uh, they would have invested time, uh, energy, uh, money, uh, 
intellectual property uh, to create a study and then accomplish uh, such a study, only then to have other researchers uh, profit potentially uh, from their work uh, down the line. And my response to that was, uh, think about the DOD trauma registry. Uh, there are tens of thousands of uh, injured combatants uh, data uh, stored in that repository. We have answered perhaps 25 or 40 questions. Uh, there are hundreds of questions left unanswered. Wouldn't we want to know the answer to all of those questions, to all of those issues? And if the answer to that is yes, which it naturally is, that would mean that people who never even set foot in the combat zone would need to accomplish that research in the future. Isn't that what we all want? And so as time has gone by, uh, that has uh, sunk in, uh, and uh, as uh, we have now uh, some additional uh, support that I think Michelle uh, Price will talk about uh, from medical editors uh, who have said, hey, this is the way we should be doing research. Don't spend $10 million on a project, publish a paper, and then you know put your stuff in that uh, Indiana Jones uh, file box in that government warehouse uh, where it's never to be found again. Uh, let's make use of it for other research endeavors. Michelle, do you have any uh, comments about that? Yes. Uh, so it has been very interesting over the past two years as we've been uh, building the repository and designing it to be uh, researcher-friendly. We've had leadership from all the major uh, trauma organizations um, uh, as well as um, military researchers um, and um, information technology experts on our steering committee uh, talking about the issues of you know, how, do we, how do we make these data available in a way that is um, uh, truly easily accessible for researchers, but also respecting the investment that the initial researcher or research group um, you know, have in, in the data that they've collected. And so we've developed policies that are very much in line with other uh, national repositories in terms of um, uh, loading data um, that uh, if, it's, uh, if it's more recent data that we have an embargo where the data are protected until the initial group make their, um, their main um, publications um, uh, and get those out into, into the, the field, um, as well as making it um, fairly easy for new investigators, uh, junior scientist practitioners who may not have the funds themselves to collect data, but very much like to get a look at some of these uh, huge data sets to test some, some possibilities that could then uh, constitute the beginning of pilot data for them or, um, and that they could then use to apply for uh, research funding. Um, and, and so uh, we have been um, we have been greeted pretty favorably. Um, and as uh, Dr. Jenkins said, um, in the period of time that we've been building this repository with the intention of sharing data to maximize the benefits of research activities, um, we've really seen a sea change in the field in that data sharing is now becoming the expectation as opposed to um, the unusual um, circumstance for um, completed studies. Uh, most recently, the International Committee of Medical Journal Editors uh, issued a, um, a statement that says, uh, effective July 1st, any clinical trials that are submitted uh, for publication must include a data sharing plan in order to be considered for publication. 
and that may sound familiar to you, that's very much like the edict they issued several years ago saying that any clinical trial must be registered with a clinical trial registry such as clinicaltrials.gov in order to be published. And as you know, that was a, a sea change really um, right. for clinical trials research. Um, they also went a step further in their requirements saying that as of January 1st, 2019, any new clinical trials uh, must have a data sharing agreement as part of their registration on something like clinicaltrials.gov at the outset of the study in order to be considered for publication when the study is complete. So fortuitously, uh, the NTRR is a resource available um, for trauma researchers to meet these data sharing requirements. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it's much more kind of uh, the wave of the future in terms of you know, other institutions being able to access your data and maybe, you know, publish con confirmatory studies and things like that. So this sounds like it's perfectly aligned with that. Um, in terms of uh, what data fields or what variables are included in the database, talk a little bit about that and, and maybe how it would compare to other large national trauma databases like the NTDB or uh, TQIP or those kinds of things. Sure. So um, we have in, in, the, in our data dictionary, which is, uh, which is, uh, has just been launched and um, uh, will be growing over time, of course. We have what are called common data elements that we would like for all studies in a particular area of uh, research to collect, and then uh, we create unique data elements so that um, if you have a study of 100 elements and only 20 of them are common data elements for that module, we will create the other data elements so that you can share all of your data into the repository. Uh, as Dr. Jenkins uh, mentioned, we developed the uh, initial core uh, set of data elements by looking at uh, major, um, major research studies as well as looking at uh, the uh, national data um, standards. Um, the difference, in, so you asked about the difference between um, the NTDB and NTRR. The difference is that it, we exist um, for the purpose of sharing research data. Those research data points may include data that are collected as part of the clinical record and would be part of an NTDB. Um, but in addition to those, you have all the um, trauma, uh, or excuse me, the research data that would not have been collected as part of a, a, a normal uh, trauma registry. So, so in fact, Dave, um, when we did the uh, crosswalk of all of these uh, data elements uh, and the traditional uh, trauma registry, fewer than 25% of the data points in the National Trauma Research Repository are in a trauma registry, uh, meaning that it would be the same as the NTDB, uh, fewer than 25% of the data elements would be common to that. Uh, so these are unique uh, data elements, but the, again, the beauty of this is, uh, is that uh, if you have a study and you need to uh, collect 100 uh, uh, data points, at least 25 of them would likely be in your registry, uh, leaving you 75 uh, to, to collect. Uh, and we would have all of those covered, uh, I would think, uh, for the most part, uh, and with, with definitions uh, in place and data fields we already have. Uh, causing then the workload to create the last two or three or five uh, data elements uh, very easy 
Uh, and, and again, that benefits uh, that researcher who uh, just doesn't have uh, the time, the wherewithal, uh, the resources, the personnel, uh, the funds uh, to be able to, to do that. We can do this on a, in a, in a, on a, on a grand scale uh, so that uh, uh, each additional project uh, requires very little additional work. And it sounds like uh, as it's being built off the backs of some of these other studies that have already taken place, um, you know, it sounds like maybe the variables that are presently available uh, are going to be heavily influenced by those studies. But over time, um, the hope is to expand, it sounds like, the, the multiple variables that are collected so that a year from now, two years from now, you'll have a, a more broad scope, it sounds like. Is that, is that correct? That is, that is precisely correct. Uh, and as each uh, new study uh, is is developed and uh, has its own unique elements, that's that's where that's going to come from. And so, if you uh, think about this uh, in terms of where we are uh, today in the resuscitation of our patients, uh, there aren't any established uh, definitions or data entry fields in any trauma registry uh, for the use of whole blood uh, as a resuscitation fluid, for instance. Uh, and so already, you know, people are, are studying this, and uh, we don't have uh, data fields for that. So that would be the kind of new uh, data elements uh, that we would need to uh, come up with uh, solid definitions for and be prepared to accept uh, that, uh, that, that data. Now, the other thing, if you think about this now, if you took the power of uh, the glue grant rock prompt and proper, and you poured all of that data into the NTRR, which is our plan, and we have uh, agreement uh, from the primary uh, data holders to, to do so, uh, it w would be akin to uh, going into the NTDB to do bigger population-based uh, uh, type uh, studies, uh, except that these data were specifically collected uh, for uh, trauma resuscitation purposes. Uh, it involves the sickest patients, uh, and 75% of the data elements wouldn't be found in NCDB. Yeah, much more granular detail on the stuff that probably really matters for these types of yes. studies. Um, so tell me about the status as of right now. Is there, if somebody thinks this might be you know, exactly what they're looking for, is there a place where a person could go to to look for these variables and kind of suss that out a little bit, or... Um, what, what what actually exists right now that is available? Sure. Uh, we just launched the NTRR uh, at the end of June, so it is on the web. Uh, the NTRR is a web-based um, system. Uh, it can be accessed at um, ntrr-nti.org. And uh, where we are in terms of utilization and, and completing our build is uh, we are in the process of uh, collecting data from completed um, studies, as, as we've discussed. Uh, and those um, studies don't necessarily need to be large um, clinical trials. We are also open to single-site um, uh, data sets, um, and we welcome inquiries from any researchers who would be interested in, in um, contributing their data. Uh, we have our um, initial data dictionary on that website. Uh, so uh, users can go to the website, they can look at our policies, they can see what's required to contribute data, to request data. Uh, once, we have all, once we have our initial set of data loaded, they'll be able to read through the studies, look across studies, what data are harmonized across studies, 
they'll be able to, uh, they can request data from a, a single data, a single study, or they can request a data pool that goes across studies uh, using data, common data elements across those studies, which gets to that uh, greater power um, analysis that um, Dr. Jenkins was discussing. Um, the other thing that, um, that researchers can do right now, or another resource that we're providing right now, is um, we are working with um, investigators at the outset of their studies. Uh, so we recommend that um, in order to have um, the most harmonized data, the most useful data across studies, that investigators look at the common data elements that we've identified and consider using those um, for their studies. Not only is it easier for them, but of course it, it, it um, optimizes the use uh, for secondary analyses. We also have templates for data sharing plans, uh, language that you would want to put in your um, consent form about contributing data to a repository at a later point, and, lots, and, and several other documents that have been developed by uh, the Federal Demonstration um, Partnership, which is a consortium of, of uh, academic and research organizations across the U.S., um, and they have taken on the issues of data sharing and how do you do that things within all of the lines about human subjects protection and institutional property and intellectual property. And so we, we can be a, a resource for, uh, for all of those issues for investigators at the outset of their studies. And so there are uh, staff that are associated with the NTRR who, who can help kind of shepherd a new study and maybe it sounds like maybe uh, help create some of those new data fields if, if a particular study includes variables that are not currently present in the NTRR. And how does that exactly work out in terms of staffing and funding? And, and you know, if I'm a solitary researcher, um, how, does, how, does that, how does that play out? So these are great questions. Some of these questions we are um, still uh, considering, to be honest with you, as we um, as we start running the repository and we look at the, um, the staffing levels that will be required um, to support it. Um, initially, we guess, of course, we do have staff um, that uh, who are part of the National Trauma Institute uh, who will help investigators um, say they want to contribute a study that they've already completed. We will help them map their data onto our elements and create the new elements that they need, their unique data elements. Um, and uh, we will also help if they're you know, trying to identify for a study moving forward what elements um, would be helpful that are part of our dictionary or that we're looking at and we haven't actually incorporated into the dictionary yet. We can give them the history of where those data elements have been used. Um, and uh, sort of, the, the, I guess you could say, the provenance of the element and the, the definition. And um, at this point, we are not, um, we are able to provide these services um, through the support of the Department of Defense. And um, we, will, um, we will have a better sense moving forward of whether there might be uh, costs to the investigators uh, once we, we have a handle on what this is going to require in terms of the demand and um, and the level of staff support. Got it. So if I'm interested in uh, doing something with it, um, walk me through the process of do I register, do I do I create an account at NTRR, what's the kind of the nuts and bolts of say I want to do something along these lines? Sure. So if you are, um, we, we look at investigators um, in two categories. We have contributing investigators who have data and they want to put it into the NTRR, and we have investigators who would be recipient investigators. They are seeking to 
uh, pull data out of the repository for secondary analyses. So if, if you are interested in contributing data, uh, there is a process that's on the website where um, it's a brief form. You describe your study, submit uh, your CV, um, and uh, the, we have a data use committee who will take a look at that. And um, if, if that um, is approved, then the NTI staff will work with that investigator to upload that data, to discuss any issues about embargo, to be sure to include other documents such as um, uh, maybe a unique data um, dictionary and consent forms, protocols, published papers, anything that would be helpful to someone coming along later to do secondary analyses. If you're in the other category where you're looking to receive data from the NTRR, you are able to see everything that's available without having any kind of a, an account. Of course, you're not able to see the actual data, but you're able to see that there's this study that collected these data points using these forms, uh, this many subjects, et cetera. And then you submit a request describing what you would like to do with the data and, um, you know, appropriate, um, including your um, institutional review board approval. And that is reviewed by the data use committee. Uh, and, and then if that request is approved, there are certifications, of course, that that, um, that the investigators sign and we, um, we um, execute data transfer agreements. Um, and all of that is shepherded by the um, by the NTI staff. Okay. Um, well, this sounds like a, a really exciting idea and an exciting project, and uh, especially at the outset here, it sounds like there's a, a real opportunity to, to influence this. Um, if you could, I'll ask you to sort of gaze into your crystal ball a little bit and kind of where do you where do you see this headed, and what do you think the the, the vision is for this? You know, five years down the line, ten years down the line. Uh, well, I think that uh, as uh, as we move forward in the in the field of trauma uh, research, uh, you know, this is really important to East, uh, especially with the multi institutional trials and just your you know your your membership in in general uh, to seek promotion, et cetera. Right. So there's a lot of things that that go into this in terms of uh, gaining uh, some sort of uh, local, regional, state, national, international uh, uh, reputation uh, that corresponds with uh, then, therefore, promotion. And to get that reputation, one has to have presentations and publications. Uh, and as uh, Michelle had pointed out, uh, the uh, you know based upon what the uh, current uh, lay of the land is in terms of publications, uh, the uh, editors have uh, clearly stated that. Uh, you know, you, you have to have a data uh, uh, sharing plan. Uh, well, we, we've got one. Uh, uh, it's, it's built in. Uh, we would uh, love to have an opportunity to uh, present this uh, in, you know, in person uh, in more vivid detail uh, at uh, perhaps some upcoming East uh, Forum uh, in some way, uh, do a webinar of, uh, of some sort to uh, introduce people to the uh, to the product and, and get their and get their input. Uh, we are also approaching uh, the DoD uh, with a, uh, a novel uh, idea to help us sustain uh, the uh, NTRR uh, and uh, ask that uh, they include in the budget uh, uh, for any new research projects that they fund 
that uh, some small percentage of those uh, funds would be dedicated towards uh, the upkeep and maintenance of the NTRR. As much as NTI would like to, we can't do it for free uh, because we have to keep the lights on and uh, keep the electrons uh, flowing uh, in, the, in, the, in the repository. Uh, so we are seeking uh, different avenues of, uh, of support uh, for funding for that to make this as uh, feasible as possible uh, for uh, our researchers. Uh, and uh, we're welcome to you know, any and all ideas. Uh, I think that where we'll be five years from now uh, is we're going to be able to sit back and look at some new uh, presentations and publications uh, garnered from these uh, large, already funded, paid for, and completed uh, studies that we spoke of before, and we're going to have some new secondary uh, data and outcomes that might help point us in the right direction towards improvement in resuscitation uh, and survival for our trauma patients from data that is already archived. Uh, and uh, I think that the combination of being able to interface with uh, the Department of Defense's trauma registry uh, and uh, our civilian multi-institutional trials uh, groups, uh, really that synergy is uh, going to cause, I think, an explosion in our ability to uh, understand better uh, what happens to our trauma patients uh, and how better to uh, uh, resuscitate them for, for, for long-term better uh, outcomes. Well, certainly very exciting, and I think, uh, you know, this, this is obviously the wave of the future, and uh, it sounds like this is a great opportunity, especially for a lot of the EAST members that are young, hungry researchers looking for ways to kind of make their mark in the world and really advance the advance the science. Um, we will put the web page link on the uh, East web page and uh, have that have those resources there. And um, I think we will look into maybe doing an East-sponsored uh, webinar. Well, I think an East-sponsored uh, webinar would be a fantastic idea. Uh, NTI will uh, have a uh, demonstration uh, ex uh, exhibit uh, at the uh, upcoming uh, East uh, uh, meeting in January up in Austin, Texas, uh, so people can come and get a live look and have their questions answered uh, in person as, as well. Uh, what I would say is that, uh, you know, 10 years ago when the National Trauma Institute was formed, uh, people didn't really know what it was or what to expect of it. Uh, seven years ago, we were stymied by the DOD in terms of getting research funds uh, dedicated to actual uh, research being accomplished. Uh, and we took it upon our own initiative uh, to see to it that that wouldn't happen again and stumbled upon this uh, roadblock. Uh, and it was our decision at that time that we would uh, invest our time, energy, and dollars into solving this for the greater good of the trauma community and the researchers uh, because there was no way that anyone was going to be able to do this on their own. Uh, and so here we are, you know, seven years on with a concept no one had ever even heard about, and we've got an edict from these uh, medical editors saying well, you're not going to get your stuff published uh, uh, in our journals uh, if you don't have this thing, and, and NTI has created the answer uh, for that, and it's up and running. So I would just applaud uh, the leadership and the forthrightness, uh, and that leadership includes uh, uh, past presidents, current presidents uh, of EAST, uh, and so uh, uh, EAST has as much to do with the formation of this as any other organization uh, here in the U.S. Well, uh, thank you for that, and uh, thank you for all of both of you, both you and Michelle, your efforts in 
getting the NTI up and running, keeping it running, um, you know, it's always encouraging to see that uh, there's an organized group of heavy hitters who are doing the uh, heavy lifting of lobbying and uh, all those types of things to get funding for, for trauma and trauma research. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's not an easy environment, especially right now, for that kind of thing, and so it's good to know that there are uh, our best and brightest that are up there uh, fighting on our behalf. Well, uh, uh, Joe and the uh, National Trauma Institute, uh, we would uh, like to thank East for the opportunity to uh, get the info out there about the National Trauma Research Repository and uh, for uh, you, Dr. Morris, uh, taking the time out of your day to uh, hear our story. Well, I live to serve. Happy to do it. Dr. Price also asked me to read the following statement. The National Trauma Research Repository is sponsored by the Department of the Army, Prime Award, pound sign W81X, WH-15.2.0089, the U.S. Army Medical Research Acquisition Activity, 820 Chandler Street, Fort Detrick, Maryland, 21702-5014 is the Awarding and Administering Acquisition Office. The opinions or assertions contained herein are the private views of the authors and are not to be construed as official or as reflecting the view of the Department of the Army or the Department of Defense. Um, well, thank you both. It's been very enlightening, and I'm going to actually get off of this call and go look at the web page myself and see if I can uh, figure out any of the projects that I have kicking around in my head, if this will work for any of those. So I encourage anyone listening to maybe do the same thing and and uh, go check it out. So thank you both for your time. You're welcome. And that wraps up another edition of TraumaCast, brought to you by the East Online Education Section of the Eastern Association for the Surgery of Trauma. You can check out all the great educational and career development resources available on the East website at www.east.org. And make sure you subscribe to the TraumaCast series so you don't miss any of our exciting upcoming programs and interviews. So if you're searching for cutting-edge science and research, professional education, networking and building relationships, and career development, Remember that all you need to do is look to the east.